You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. It's good to see everybody here today. Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your busy day here with us. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. We've been working our way through the book of Romans. We've looked so far at the first three chapters today. We start the chapter that really the image is based about. Paul presents Abraham to us and is as an example of what it is that we should be. Now, back when I was in college, way back around Plato, Socrates, I forget all the teachers I had, but uh, um, there was a popular image, and I looked for that image and I could not find it, but this image communicates the idea. It said that faith is coming to the end of all of the light that you have and taking a step. It literally said that faith was a leap in the dark. Well, here in Romans, we're, we're talking a lot about faith. We continue that today. Today we dive into what it means to have faith. So let's jump into Romans chapter 4. We're going to look at the first three verses. Here, Paul continues his discussion about faith, but here he begins to use a historical argument. He talks about Abraham. He says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Now, if you remember the whole idea of being made right with God, it's finding the solution to the world's main problem, the problem of sin in the world. So what did Abraham discover about resolving the problem of sin in the world? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, then he would have had something to boast about. But that wasn't God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness because of his faith. Now, Paul talks about Abraham. And last week, uh, we heard the story of a man between the two Testaments. He wrote between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he had a vision of himself that he died. And he saw an angel, uh, one angel that wrote all the good things in his life that he'd done and one that wrote all the bad things. And every person would walk up to heaven's gate And there at heaven's gate, they would weigh good deeds and bad deeds. If you had more good deeds than bad, then you went to heaven. If you had more bad deeds than good, not so much. (laughs) You went on down the road and walked in the other door. It wasn't quite as pleasant. But if your life kind of balanced out, this man said that Abraham would come out of heaven because he had so many good deeds that he'd throw some of his good deeds on the good side of your balance and you could get into heaven 
by the merits of Abraham. That was how they viewed Abraham. But you know what? We read scripture and we don't see such a good man. Abraham lied. He told kings that his wife was his sister. And both kings then tried to court his wife. He lied. He did it not once, but twice. God told him that he would have children with Sarah. He didn't believe God. Sarah gave him her servant girl, and Abraham fathered a son by someone who wasn't his wife. And then, to make things worse, he threw her out of the house. Not once, but twice. If you look from Abraham, uh, from Genesis chapter 13 to about Genesis chapter 19, you see a series of issues in Abraham's life. The reality was, Abraham was a flawed human being, just like I am, just like you are. Abraham sinned. But Paul said there came a time when Abraham believed God, and that righteousness was counted to him, or that faith, was counted to him as if it were righteousness. So from the very start, we see that righteousness doesn't come by what we do because pretty consistently we mess up. Righteousness comes by faith. So that begs the question, what is that faith? What was it that Abraham was asked to believe. If Abraham believed God, and that faith was counted to him as righteousness, what was he asked to believe? Well, we got to go back to the Old Testament. So we go to the book of Genesis. The first time that God speaks to Abraham comes in Genesis chapter 12. And among the other things that God tells Abraham at that point, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And then you'll be a blessing to others. So God asked Abraham to believe that God would bless Abraham. And then that Abraham would bless others around him as well. Now years later, we come to Genesis 15. God appears to Abraham again. And this time, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision. He said to him, don't be afraid, Abraham. I will protect you, and your reward will be great. It's interesting God said that he would protect Abraham. It's after this that Abraham lies because he was afraid, and he just tried to protect himself. But he was asked to believe that God would protect him. Now this time, God asked Abraham to believe that he would be the father of a great nation. He goes on 
verse 15, chapter 15, verse 5. The Lord took Abraham outside. And he said to him, look up into the the sky. Count the stars. See if you can. Count the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. So God asks Abraham to believe that he would be the father of a great nation. And that's in spite of the fact that at this point, Abraham was 85 years old and his wife was 75. Okay, so now faith is getting serious. (laughs) It's not just believing that God will be with us and protect us. But believe that your 75-year-old wife will give birth to a baby. That's a miracle. (laughs) Then the Lord told Abraham that that nation, those descendants, would inherit a particular land. I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. Now, Abraham lived on a small parcel of land within the territory that came to be known as the land of Israel. God said, Abraham, you're going to own, your descendants are going to own not only this, but look as far as you can see. Start walking as far as you can walk all the way from the border of Egypt to the border of Babylon. It's going to be yours. That's what Abraham was asked to believe. In essence, what was it that Abraham was asked to believe? He was simply asked to believe the conditions of the first covenant. This is the first covenant that God made with Abraham. So what about us? We're supposed to have faith like Abraham. Uh, We have Abraham over there. We're over there on that side. We're supposed to have faith like Abraham. So what is it that we are supposed to be? Very simply, we are to believe the conditions of the second covenant. Because when Jesus came to earth to die on the cross, that was a new covenant that God made with us. So what are the conditions of the second covenant? Well, from the passage that we were looking at, Romans chapter 4, if we look at verse 5, Paul says people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. We are first of all to believe that God forgives our sin. So what's the answer to the main problem that we face? What's the answer to the world's problems? Well, it's not inside us. The answer to the sin problem doesn't come from here. It comes from outside. It comes when God forgives us. We are asked to believe that unless someone else helps us, we're lost. There's nothing we can do. Now Paul goes on later on in the very same chapter, chapter 4, verse 13. He says, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based 
not on his obedience to the law, because quite frankly, he didn't obey the law. Rather, it was based on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. We're asked to believe that our faith is primarily a relationship with God. It's being in that relationship with God that allows us to enter into that second covenant with God. Now, there are a few things that Paul says that we need to believe about Jesus. A couple of chapters later, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So these are things that we believe about Jesus, that Jesus was divine, that he was and is Lord, and that he died a real death and then stood up and walked away from that death. He was resurrected to a real life. Now, Paul ultimately is saying that our faith is not primarily believing about Jesus. Rather, it's about knowing Jesus. Faith is not primarily up here. It's primarily here. Who we choose to follow who we choose to believe. So what does it mean then to believe? We started with the picture. Is faith really a jump in the dark? Is it a leap into what we have no idea is coming? Well, apparently the Hebrews didn't think that. Now, the Hebrew language at the time of the Old Testament, did you, did you know that when Israel went back to, uh, when, when the Jewish people went back to Israel in 1948, they resurrected biblical Hebrew. And everybody that lived in Israel had to learn biblical Hebrew. They literally resurrected a dead language, or at least the language that was only alive when they read scriptures in their synagogues. The Hebrew of the Old Testament only has 1,200 words. Now, just as a point of comparison, the English language as spoken by a sixth grader, 12 years old, Hebrew language has 1,200 words. English language, a sixth grade reading level of the English language requires 50,000 words. 1,200, 50,000. So what gives? Could Hebrew just not express all the concepts? Of course it can. It, it had to learn to express all the concepts. But what happened is one Hebrew word stands for many different concepts. Here's a good example of that. We have two words here taken from Hebrew. 
the word kedem over on that side and the word ahor over here on this side. The word kedem primarily means the place where the sun rises. So, uh, science question, where does the sun rise? Come on, yeah, that's right, the east. Good on you, you passed. So that's the east. So that is Kedem. Ahor is the place where the sun sets. So that is back there. Not surprisingly, the word Kedem also means east. And the word Ahor means west. Okay, we kind of get that. The context will tell us in any given situation what it is that these words are referring to. Is it sunrise or is it east? Here's where things get interesting. Kedem also means front, ahead of me, in front of me. And ahor means behind me. Now that's interesting. That's why if you go to Israel and you buy a map, when you open up the map, it will look different from one of our maps because the top of the map is east. You go to downtown Indianapolis, you buy a map, you open up the map, what's at the top of the map? North, always, always. It's never different. So our maps of Israel have a nation that looks like this. That's not their view. They see a nation that looks like this because the top of the map is east, not north. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. If we were to put ourselves on a timeline, over here is the past, over here is the future, and here we are right in the middle of those. Past over here on the left, future over here on the right. We're standing in the middle. Which way are we facing? Now, think about that. Which way do we face? I dare say that you probably said to yourself, well, we face the future. I've even seen pictures, memes, representations of somebody facing the future and marching confidently into the future because that's what lies ahead of us. That's progress. We don't want to go backwards into the past. We want what's new, what's exciting, what's changing. In the Hebrew language, the word kedem means ahead of us, and it means the past. The word ahor means what is behind us, and it means the future. Essentially, the Hebrew looks at us saying that we're facing the future and they say, you fool. What in the world would you do that before? You have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Something could happen and everything changes. The only thing you really know is what happened yesterday. So they look to the past 
and they step confidently into the future. Behind them. What is it that they're doing? They look to the past, and you know what they see in the past? They see God. They see God protecting them. They see God providing for them. They see God guiding them. And when they see all that, they say, I have no idea what the next step into the future holds for me. But I know God. And the same God that yesterday protected me and provided for me and guided me will do that tomorrow. And they begin to walk backwards into the future, confident that the same God who was with them yesterday will be with them tomorrow. They have no idea what lies in tomorrow, but it doesn't matter because they know God will be there. That, my friends, is faith. It's a faith that does say, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I look to my past and I see what God has done for me in the past. And I believe that he can do that for me in the future. So let's come back to the passage. We read verse 5. Let's read verses 4 and 5. Paul says here, when people work, their wages are not a gift. It's something that they have earned. But people are counted as righteous. Not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Now, Paul, for a moment, steps out of historical language. He's talked about Abraham. He's going to come back and talk about history before we finish this morning. But in these two verses, he steps out of the history class, and he walks into an accounting class because the word counted, right there in the third line, the word counted is an accounting term. He literally says people are accrued righteousness, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God. People are accounted as righteous. So what does that look like? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that it looks something like this. This is Randy's Life Ledger. So I was born July 23rd, 1953. If you have trouble with math, you figure it out. Just add it up, and that makes me old. Problem is, from the day that I was born to date, Randy sinned. Now, in the debit column, because of my sin, there is guilt. And in the balance column, there's death because that is the wage of sin. That is the result of sin. Now, through my life, I've done some good things. 
pretty much from the day I was born, from 720, actually not 723, that was a Thursday. So uh, three days later, I, I went to church. And I've pretty much been in church ever since then. Now, I don't know, when I was growing up, uh, for kids in Sunday school, they gave them little badges. And if you didn't miss a day of Sunday school, you got a badge. And the second year, you got a ring around the badge. And then after that, you got little uh, banners that hung from the badge. I looked like a World War II general. I mean, my, my, those, those tails hung way down there. I had probably 15 years of perfect attendance. They ran out of numbers. So in the credit column, I learned. But in the balance sheet, that didn't do a thing for me. I still sinned. I was still going to die. Well, I went to a Christian college, attended that for four years. There I learned even more. That's another really good thing to do, but doesn't do a thing for you in the credit column. In the balance sheet, I was still going to die. I became a missionary. I went to Columbia. I spent 17 years in Columbia, and I did some good there. But I was still going to die because of my sin. When I left there, I went back to, uh, back to Greenwood, Indiana, where I worked with that same mission agency for another 23 years. Did some good there, but I was still going to die. So in 2017, I actually began to pastor a church. I won't say I did any good, but I, I certainly learned a lot more. And in that balance sheet, I was still going to die. The only thing that made a difference is on one evening in the month of August in 1964, I believed. Somebody told me the gospel. And I said, I get it. I believe it. I want to follow Jesus. And what happened in that moment, Jesus canceled the record of Randy's guilt. You can look it up, Colossians 2.14. It says my name right there. Jesus canceled the record of Randy's guilt and took it away by nailing it to his cross. Your name's in that verse too. That is the only thing that changes anything. The help comes from outside. I was a crude righteousness, not my own. Thank God I didn't have to depend on my own righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. Today when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't really even pay much attention to the good things that I've done. What he sees his Jesus died on the cross for me. And I said, Lord, I believe. And that's it. As a result, in the balance sheet, I have life. He took away my sin. He took away the penalty of my sin. He took away death.
and he substituted for it life. Now, Paul goes on. He ends this passage quoting from David in the book of Psalms. David says the very same thing. Here's what he says. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Then he quotes the psalm, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Paul doesn't, or David doesn't go into the meaning of faith. But he does say that when I realize by faith that my sins are forgiven, by faith my record is cleared, and what incredible joy that brings me. So Paul, in this passage, says two great figures from Israel's history. Abraham, the founder of our Jewish nation, and David, the king of our Jewish nation. Both agree. Faith allows us to be declared righteous. It's not us working for our faith. So where does that leave us? What do we learn from history? Very simply, we learn that Abraham believed God. We should do. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.